When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio. Oilers. 6.30, Chad. Indecisive at this point, but now dishing back for David DeArnay. He'll swing it to the corner for Drysaddle. Back in front to Arnay. Shots It's double D in OT, and it's a win for the Edmonton Oilers. A come-from-behind victory. They're down 3-1 in the second period. They fight back, and they take game five, 4-3 the final. They lead the series three games to two. They're one victory away from advancing to the second round. Good morning. It's 12-17 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio 630. Ched, we're happy to hear from you this evening. 780-496-0063 is the phone number. You can also text us at 630-630. Well, Rob, a lot to talk about from this game. We'll start with the game-winning goal coming late in an overtime period controlled by the Oilers. And, you know, they, they were able to get a four-check going. That, they were in a line change, and DeHarnay pounces on some open ice. He did. It was a smart play, first of all. Connor, Connor McDavid realizes they have control of the puck in the offensive zone. He gets off. Smart line change. DeHarnay jumps out. He gets the puck to, to, to Leon Dreisaitl down low, and he doesn't stay there. He jumps past his man. The Oilers actually had changed both their defensemen at that point, too. So the two San Jose Shark defenders that are looking after the defensemen, they actually got pulled out, too. So there was a wide-open zone in the slot area for Dayarnay to jump into. And because the San Jose Shark defenders were so tired, Leon Dreisaitl had the puck in the corner. Braun, the defenseman, just kind of played him very passively because he was exhausted, and you can't give good players time and space. They gave Leon time and space and an absolute perfect pass to DeArnay. He makes no, no mistake. This was a game that if it was any other result at the end of this, this hockey game, it, it would have been unfair because the Edmonton Oilers controlled this game from the third period on and absolutely dominated the overtime. The shots, 14-2 in overtime for the Oilers, 48-30 for the game. DeHarnay is the first star. Martin Jones is named the second star. He was incredible. He was. It was well, I'm sitting in the press box down at the far end, and every big save he made, made the entire staff up here just going, oh, my God, I can't believe he did it again. And it, it was shocking. You got to the point where... It was eventually going to get a you're going to get a goal by Martin Jones, and the only chance San Jose had was if there was an inadvertent high stick in the offensive zone that gave San Jose a power play, because all they kept doing was icing the puck, icing the puck, icing the puck, hoping to get out of this overtime and get to uh, some rest again. But Martin Jones was excellent. Uh, this one is not on him. This one was on a team that sat back in the third period, and once they gave up that tying goal, they just had nothing in them to go forward again. Patrick Maroon named the third star of the game. He got the game's opening goal back at 528 of the first period. That seems like it was a few days ago. 
the the it, it was the fourth it, it, it was, yeah, was. was yesterday. <laughs> the fourth star of the game is for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. For, for me, Rob, we can each pick one if you want. For me, it's it's easy. It's Leon Dreisaitl who had two assists. He was originally given an assist on the first goal and had it taken away. He plays 28 minutes and 11 seconds. He took 19 faceoffs and he won 15 of them. He, he was the best player on the ice. You know, we're giving him the four star of the game. He was the best player on the ice by far. Uh, he was dominant. He easily could have had about two or three other points. Then he almost scored a goal but with his backhand. Another great save by Jones. When you do something silly and, and you disappoint yourself and you feel that you like you've disappointed your teammates, as Leon did in San Jose, taking the spearing penalty, you feel guilty. And you want to make amends. You want to do it as quickly as possible. Leon Dreisaitl came out with a different mindset tonight. It was an absolute beast on the ice. So to me, not only was he the four-star, he was by far the best player on either team. All right, 780-496-0063. We'll go to the open line and bring Cam onto the show. Cam, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, guys, how's it going? Doing well. Good. Yeah, no, I, I never felt in doubt at all in this game. I, I thought, Rob, you made a good point there that it would have been a, a very uh, sad situation. I know we were tweeting, and I said that. I said, uh, this would be one of the greatest tragedies I've ever seen if we walk out of this overtime without a victory here. So um, I just thought it was a perfect I thought it was a perfect effort. The other thing I wanted to say just in closing, because there's going to be a lot of people calling, but and you guys are you, you're shedding great insight on it that I can't provide. But I just thought McClellan, <clears throat> the lines that he put together, to start the game was just a masterful um, collection of, of, of lines. I just thought he did an unbelievable job with that. And, and I, I, the other thing I want to say in closing here, uh, you know, Rob, you've stuck with uh, Benning throughout the year, and I, I've always kind of just had that little bit of a pull in the other direction. But I can tell you right now, the maturation that's come upon that kid uh, in the past, you know, particularly probably about the past week or so, he proved not only does he belong, but he's an elite player. Uh, in the making in this league, so I want to give him a shout out. And the other thing is, Eberly, I thought Eberly was outstanding again tonight. So, uh, hey, this is a well well crafted team, and uh, we've got San Jose on the ropes. So, whatever happens, we're, we can come back for game seven, but it'd be nice to get these guys out of the way um, on Saturday night for sure. Yeah, you're, you're right. It would be nice to get it done because the team that the either the Oilers or the Sharks are playing in the next series, they're done and they're resting. And you, you want to get as much rest between series, but also every extra game you play in a playoff series brings the risk of injury in. So if the Oilers are capable of winning in San Jose, then that will help them get a little bit rest and, and allow them to prepare for the next series. But it's not going to be easy. The San Jose Sharks are a good hockey club. They are very good at home. And the Oilers are going to need a, a, another strong effort to be able to close this series out in their next game. 4-3 the final. Rob, it, it's 3-1 San Jose. Schlemko gets a goal at 8.38 of the second period, two seconds after a power play expired. Mm -hmm. And you could feel the, the worry in the building. Last game was 7-0. Now it's 3-1. The next game is, is in San Jose. The Oilers got back-to-back -back power plays late in the second period. Dreisaitl with a great pass to Letestu to pull them back in the game. Then what happened in the third period? Because it was, you know, I scribble notes throughout the game. I, I didn't write anything down in the third period until Dylan took that tripping penalty. 
it was it was a low event period, which I think is what the Sharks wanted, but it didn't pay off. Well, the, they were playing to what they wanted to play to. They they were throwing the puck down. They were getting if you didn't get the four check, if they didn't have a guy that could beat an Oiler to the puck, then they just went into a one four. And they just sat back and let the Oilers bring it out. And then they attacked them at the blue line. They get the puck. They try to get a forecheck going. If it, if they got the forecheck, they just kept it in the corner. Just kept cycling, cycling. And they were wasting time. And it was working to perfection. Now, the, the penalty, it was funny because there was probably three penalties in the third period. None of them got called. And the one that they did call was, uh, I thought, uh, an iffy one. But when they got that chance, the Oilers got their opportunity. They didn't get the goal. All of a sudden, San Jose goes back into their little box and just trying to wait it out. But Dayarnay read a mistake, a, a miscommunication by a, a San Jose forward and defenseman, which allowed him ice time, and he didn't just waste it. He didn't just throw the puck on net and, and hope. He went all the way around the net and found the perfect spot. He walked, Clefbaum was able to walk into it, and the San Jose Sharks, who for, sat back for 18 minutes, now were in a, a situation where they had to push forward. And I've been there. When you are sitting and protecting a lead, and now all of a sudden the lead is gone, you got to go forward, it's hard because the Oilers were pressing, 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 and it showed in overtime the San Jose Sharks just could not get back on the offensive side of things, and now, then it just became a matter of time. When are you eventually going to break Martin Jones? That's our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better. With help from your chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. It's 12-25. Oilers win it 4-3 in overtime. They lead the series 3-2. We have Tony on line two. Tony, thank you very much for calling. Go ahead. How are you guys tonight? Very good, thanks. Um, I got a question, and I don't know how many people are going to be calling about this and all, the, and all that, but, you know, I love the fact that the Oilers won. You know, I hope they sweet. I hope they take next game but I'm just wondering where these referees are coming from like in the last two games I've been on my knees in the first five minutes because you know it's not, and then it keeps going where another player will do something stupid example Pavelski trips McDavid no call so you know I'm like okay whatever you know stuff like that happens but it keeps happening like I admit playoff hockey you don't, can't call everything but isn't it getting a little redundant the fact that that these referees aren't calling what should be called, or no? Well, I, I think that for a lot of the time, it favors the Oilers when the referees put their whistles away simply because they're a bigger, stronger, more physical team than the Sharks are. So if the refs aren't going to call anything, I think it favors the Oilers. I thought up until today the refereeing was fine. I thought today was a, a strangely refereed game where they would allow things to go that were penalties, and then they would call penalties that were... Okay, seriously, that's the one you're going to grab them on. Um, but I, to me, refing has not been the reason the series is at where it's at. I think the Oilers have done a much better job tonight of playing through things and playing smart. And if they continue to do that, then they have a good chance of closing this series out in San Jose. Oilers take it 4-3. The power play story tonight. The Sharks go 0-1, though, as I mentioned, it was one of those where it was still a five on four because Maroon had just stepped out of the box. The Oilers go one for three with their man advantages. 780-496-0063 will bring Jim onto the show as well. Hi, Jim. Go ahead. How's it going, guys? Doing great. Congratulations to the Oilers. Fellas, uh, just before here, I just touched on it real quick. Uh, just officiating in all the series, not just ours, all the series, it's it's so inconsistent. I don't understand how the players can um, 
adapt to it. Well, it's simple. I mean, just don't do anything that's illegal, and they won't well, call it. Yeah, that's true, but, but like you said earlier yourself, like the calls that should be made aren't, and all of a sudden they make a call, and you look at it and say, really? Yeah, I mean, like, normally in playoff hockey, the, the referees are a little more lenient on what they allow, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. I mean, if you go back earlier in the series, the two huge Cassian hits are probably called in the regular season, but they're not called at this time of year. You can watch all the other playoff series. Uh, they, they want the physicality that is brought in playoffs, and, and they allow it more so. Now, to me, if they called everything the way it was in the regular season, it'd be fine. They don't. So now, you got, to me, you got to call the, the ones that are goal-scoring chances or it's going to prevent you're preventing a goal scoring chance if you call those consistently i think the teams will be fine with it i thought up until tonight the refereeing had been pretty good tonight i thought it was just, it was just weird i mean the, the penalty i believe was on meyer i mean the san jose sharks had three different plays where they could have got called should have been called for for penalties and then this meyer kid barely touches lucic and that's the one they call so it, it was an odd game and uh, to me, but it, it was going both ways, and the end. I mean, San Jose only got the one power play, so I don't think it benefited the Sharks at all tonight. And the Oilers just played a much smarter hockey game than they had in the previous games, and I think that's one of the reasons they were able to come back in this game. Dramatic win, DeHarnay in overtime after Oscar Clefbaum tied it at 17-14 of the third. Here's Clefbaum for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. Uh, I mean, it felt really, really good, obviously. I mean, it's probably the biggest goal in my career so far, uh, especially now when we're one in overtime. Um, it was just an unbelievable feeling, uh, especially to score here in Rogers and the crowd goes nuts. I mean, it's, it's hard to describe. It's such a, such a good feeling. In the playoffs, you need contributions from throughout your lineup. David DeHarnay gets the game winner tonight. What does that mean for the group just to get a goal from maybe an unlikely source uh, from the outside? I mean, I think it's very important to get everybody going. I mean, we all seen Cass score some goals here, and I mean, it's it's very nice to see everybody's going and, and, and are on their toes, so that's what it takes, and I mean, it's, it's I'm not surprised it's Dejarde who scored. I mean, he has such a good patience with the puck out there, and you can really tell he has a routine. Uh, been, the, been in the league for many years, so I mean, he had a really good game overall. What was the attitude of this team like heading out onto the ice for overtime, because you dominated from the start? Yeah, I mean, it felt really good from the start, like you said. I think I, I think it was just a matter of time before we we're going to score that goal but I mean you really got to have patience in, in the overtime because it's a, it's a one bad bounce and they can have a breakaway so you never know but it's a really good feeling right now. What do you think this kind of win for your group just building some playoff confidence? Oh yeah I mean it's huge uh, it feels unreal right now especially the way we won I mean they came out to play and so did we I mean I think we played a very good game from the start uh, everybody was ready to go and I mean it just feels really good right now. Uh, you never know in overtime. I mean, you can have a lot of bounces, but I think we played a very solid game. Reed, that's uh, Oscar Clefbaum. Right on, Brendan Ulrich working the Oilers dressing room tonight. Clefbaum gets his second goal of the playoffs. That tied it. DeHarnay wins it in overtime. Rob, we'll just catch up on some text messages here. We're getting lots of 6.30, 6.30. I'll, I'll kind of group some themes together. Actually, somebody says, uh, can we give Pouliot some credit for being in front on the overtime goal? Yeah, he went right where he was supposed to go, did a good job. And, and not, I mean, one, he screened 
Jones. When you watch the replay, Jones has no idea where the puck is. So that's good on that. And two, and probably more importantly, and if you watch the video, he actually attacks Vlasic because he sees Pouliot's facing out. He sees Dearnay coming in. So he kind of gives a little hit to Vlasic and not allowing Vlasic to go out and get a stick on the puck coming in. So, yeah, a very, very good job by Pouliot. And the fourth line was out there for the winning goal. That's huge in an overtime. Nugent Hopkins, a lot of people coming on Nuge. I mean, he was very good in overtime. He had that shot that leaked through Jones. He charged the net. I'm still not sure if he got a second whack at it or if it hit Jones's leg and started going towards the line again. But Jones made a great recovery to keep it out. But I said a couple days ago, how was Nugent Hopkins not have a goal yet in this series? I mean, he had another tough night in the faceoff circle but I thought he's he's getting to the proper areas of the ice. He, he looked good. He looked dangerous. And when we first saw R&H come up in, in his first couple of years, that was the thing you always thought about, about him. Is he's dangerous. When he's got the puck on the stick, he can do something. He can make the play. He can get the puck on net. He's got speed. He'll beat guys with, with his stick handling, things like that. And then we didn't see that a whole lot this year. But we talked about it a lot at the end of the year. A lot of players this year wanted a reset button, and they got it when the playoffs started. I just reset my season. It's starting right now. He was one of those players, and he's going head-to-head against the San Jose's best players, and he's doing a very, very good job. And then what we saw in overtime, he brought it back to the level that we have seen before. That's a good thing going forward. Now he just has to continue that. 780-496-0063. Oilers win 4-3 in overtime. We have Robert on the line. Robert, thanks a lot for calling. Hi guys, how you doing tonight? Doing well. Well, well, uh, well. My thought tonight is, I think I thought I thought thought the momentum started to started to tilt back in favor of the Oilers when when McDavid delivered that hit on Sorensen. Yeah, I mean that that certainly picks the the, the team up. I, I think the the Oilers it really started changing the Oilers' way when they got their power plays. They were in desperate need of a goal before that second period ended. If it's 3-1 at the end of the second, I don't think the the Oilers come back. But they got back-to-back power plays. They took advantage of it. And then going into the dressing room, the San Jose Sharks are a little more nervous than had they had the two-goal lead. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and uh, my other thought was tonight. I thought uh, I wanted to talk a bit talk a bit about about Jones for San Jose. I thought I thought I mean like in, in overtime. He he uh, absolutely stood on his head, and I don't know. I think if, think maybe if the maybe if the if the Oilers don't score in in that in that first overtime, maybe it's a maybe it's a different outcome. Well, that's the thing. When when it goes like that, you start worrying, right? Is there going to be a counterattack where the Oilers are pressing so hard they give up a two on one or a three on two? Where does does San Jose, you know, just bump the puck down low and muscle it towards the net and all of a sudden they get a bounce and, and they and they win it but no I mean Jones was outstanding the Oilers kept with it the shots after the first period which was almost an entire 60 minute game of hockey just a minute 45 shirt yeah. short the shots after the first period were 35 14 for Edmonton yeah. and it's weird how many often we've seen that in this series which Score-wise, has been very close, and obviously it's three-two after five. 
and now in favor of Edmonton. It's amazing how often we've seen that in the series between two pretty even teams that one team has controlled large sections of the game. Well, this is five games into the series, uh, and all the games except for one have been very, very close score-wise. But San Jose has dominated two games. The Edmonton Oilers have dominated two games, and one was played on even terms, mm -hmm. and that was the the one nothing game. So, both teams, once they get rolling, they the other team hasn't been able to find a way to stop that. So the the Oilers, their their goal and their key when they go to San Jose uh, tomorrow night, I guess it is now, uh, is to not allow San Jose that first 10 minutes to somehow survive it. If San Jose scores in the first 10, they just seem to keep on building on that. If you can get through the first 10 minutes in San Jose, well, all of a sudden they wilt a little bit, and now it's going to be played on even playing terms. So uh, the Oilers, uh, they set themselves up. This is what you want. You always, every time you start a playoff season, your goal is to get to a point where you can eliminate a team with a win, and the Oilers are there now. All right, we'll go back to the phone calls in a second, but we want to hear from Martin Jones, who had an incredible game tonight. The San Jose goaltender's comments are courtesy of Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions. I Here's Jones after making 44 saves. Um, it just happens quick. I, he threw the puck from the corner. Uh, I just lost it for a second and then saw it uh, go by my shoulder. Before that, though, it seemed like you were getting a lot of action. Did you feel like you were in pretty good chair them at that point? I felt fine. I'm uh, just trying to buy us time. Um, you know, it's just, we're just a bounce away from, from getting an opportunity to score a goal. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's my only mindset is just trying to buy us as much time as we can. Let's say about McDavid on the two-on-one. You obviously read it perfectly. Yeah, uh, you know, Eddie played it pretty well. I know he let the pass went through, but um, he had to kind of throw a slow uh, sauce pass over him, so it, it gave me some time to get over there. And you looked like you got a stick on that one that kind of slipped by you and Nuja Hopkins kind of poked it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, you guys win 7 nothing in that game. Obviously, it's a devastating loss here. Is it the same thing? You guys parked this one and still feel good about going home? Yeah, I mean, what can we do? we, we got to just get ready for the next one. Um, you know, our back's against the wall now, so we got to play with some urgency and, and uh, win a home game. What, obviously, you're trying to protect a lead in the third period. You're up 3-2. to two. What, Was it a matter of maybe spending a little bit too much time in your own zone uh, in the third? Just couldn't ever get it going the other way? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I thought we played a pretty good third period. You know, it's one shot through some bodies that, that goes in. But, um, you know, we, we were playing. We were smart with the puck in the third. You know, we were chipping pucks in. We were chipping pucks out. Um, you know, that's, that's the way the game goes sometimes. What does being down 3-2 in a series do to a team's mindset going into the last one or two games? Uh, well, we're going to be a desperate team. I mean, we got to win. We're backs against the wall now. So. All right, there's Martin Jones. We have Scott Johnson working the visitors' dressing room tonight. Jones, excellent goaltending for San Jose, but he takes the loss. The Oilers win at 4-3 in overtime. Those four goals, Rob, mean a $100 donation courtesy of Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world, to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. They've been giving $25 for every goal throughout the season. And you can follow the total on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. So it's Clefbaum tying it late on an assist from DeHarnay, then DeHarnay winning it in overtime on a pass from Dreisaitl. Uh, Sekera getting the other helper. I know we got a couple of texts. Uh, they're spreading the credit around. They're saying, what about the defense keeping the puck in? Uh, I mean, yeah, and we've seen that from Sekera, and they were changing. Russell yep. was out there as well. But, you know, we've seen that from Sekera, his ability to 
take a puck at the point and sort of weave into traffic or drop the puck into an area where a teammate can keep a play alive? No, it was a very good play by him. And what you love about that whole shift is the Oilers had everything going their way. They, they were in the offensive zone. They changed. McDavid changed. Darnay comes out. And both defensemen changed as well while they had control of the puck. So at one point, they well, when they scored the goal, there was only three Oilers in the offensive zone going against the five Sharks. Uh, it was just a, you could not draw up a better overtime period. The Oilers were dominant from the first drop of the puck in overtime, and there was at no point did you think that they could possibly lose this hockey game in that overtime, and they got the result they deserved. All right, we'll go to Colin on the line, 780-496-0063. Hi, Colin. Hi, guys. That, that was a great result, and, and the, the, the call at the end there, it, uh, it, that, that, that one's going to be replayed quite a few times, too, I think. Better, better make sure he gets his tea with uh, honey in it tonight. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> he's going to have to rest up for the next one. Um, just wanted to say, you know, there's a really fine line between when you try and try to get through and score, give up on it after a while, or when you just keep trying, knowing that it's going to get through. And and go up by the, the remarks, I think that was, uh, was that dry title at the end there, uh, uh, where he said, you know, eventually it's going to get through. We just have to keep going on it. And, and you know, there was a point in the game where I kind of thought, okay, this is looking kind of like that blowout. It could go either way. Let's see what they do. And they did what they were possibly capable of doing the last time, but they just couldn't connect on it and get it going. And tonight they did, and they got the result. And, and I think that's the thing. They're, they're fast enough, strong enough to dominate. And when they get it clicking, like the, the the game that's going to be really interesting, as if they move, I should say, if they move on, as they move on, the game that's going to be interesting is the one where you don't just have one or two guys pop out of the woodwork and shine. All of a sudden, you get half a dozen guys just saying, "Okay, we're scoring now," and it's going to be a heck of a game when they do it. Yeah, I, but I mean, that's the thing that it's easy to say. It's hard to score in the National Hockey League. I mean, there's some pretty talented players on the ice that at the end of the night don't have anything to show for their work that they do. Uh, the first period tonight was as wide open as we've seen this series, but there's not a lot of room out there. I mean, Connor McDavid, how often have we seen him flying down the, the ice with speed? they just not given that. So I, I think that even the players that have not put numbers up on the board are playing well, and they've got different roles. The Nugent Hopkins line right now is trying to shut down the Pavelski line and are doing a very good job of it. So uh, I, I think that when we go into to San Jose, I believe it'll be another one-goal game, and you just hope that your team gets the extra bounce, and that's what uh, we've been seeing so far in this series. Oilers take it 4-3. We'll bring Marty onto the show. Marty, you're going to finish the play, so you've already won an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set We Park. You can park cheap and easy. Visit jetsetparking.com. But before we get to the contest, give us your thought or question, buddy. Well, the, the only question I have is this, is that uh, without the goaltending that we had, I think the series would have been a, a different uh, outcome, totally. In which way are you explaining? That uh, I think the Sharks would have had a heck of a lot more 
goals than what they than the four that they had. I think it could have been eight four or nine four sharks. When tonight? Mm-hmm. You think? Well, I don't think Talbot was tested as much as he as he no, was, he was in, in other games. I, I think the two shutouts, he was uh, he was a little bit better than Jones. I mean, Jones might have been. Well, he was one of well, the three in those stars. Two games, he, was, he was peppered a lot, though. Yeah, I counted but, at least. I counted at least on one power play that they had. They that uh, the Sharks had. He was tested at least six times in one succession. Uh, yeah. Well, the Sharks had the one power play tonight, and they yeah they did they did they did control the puck a bit on that one. I mean, Talbot's been a story for the Oilers all season long. I don't know as much as. I don't think he was as big a story as he has been in other games, but there's no doubt he's been solid for, for Edmonton for sure. Marty, if you're right here on Finish the Play, you're going to be entered into the grand prize draw for a $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. Curled up the right inside by Braun. Turnover, Kajula in front. Reach. All right, Kajula with a the shot there. Goal or no goal? It's a goal. Let's find out. Curled up the right inside by Braun. Turnover. Control in front. Reshot. Save made on dry settle by Martin Jones. All right. No goal on uh, that one, Marty. It was Maroon, Latestu, Clefbaum, and DeHarnay scoring this evening for the Edmonton Oilers. All right. If you're on hold, stay there. It's 1245. Let's go back downstairs for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. Todd, can you talk about David DeHarnay's play tonight? I thought he had his best game as an oiler. Um, you know, he was very strong in the face-off circle. He was on his toes. He drew penalties. Obviously scored the winning goal, but uh, he looked really sharp. And, um, you know, when the top two lines are, are playing each other fairly even, your third and fourth lines have to come through, and ours did tonight. What is he? I mean, he's been a fourth-line offensive guy his whole career, but he's a fourth-line guy here. Is that... And he doesn't kill penalties. He hasn't played much in the power play. So it's tough getting him minutes. Yeah. Check. Are we good? Okay. No, it's... Um, he, he's filling a role for our team. He has to accept that. And I think he's... Over the last little bit, he has accepted it. He's become a better player uh, because of that. Our power play, for the most part, was together for a long, long time. So we didn't disrupt that. But, um, you know, you have to have your night, and tonight was his night, and we hope that he can continue it. Todd, really, this game, from the first period, you had three goal posts, but in the second on, you felt you really controlled the game. You look at the shot total, shot attempts. Uh, what was it about tonight, your whole team, you felt you were doing right to generate so many more chances? Well, we had, we, it's a cliche, but we played on our toes tonight. We were, um, we were aggressively hunting pucks. We supported the puck much better than we did in San Jose. Um, I thought they drilled us with numbers in San Jose. They were always around us and, and outnumbered us all over the rink. Tonight, I think we were a little better in that area, and it allowed us to have uh, a, a chance at success. Leon Dreisaitl uh, had got very little done in the playoffs so far, and tonight was maybe your best player. Was on the puck all night, great in the faceoffs. What changed? Uh, I think he got a little bit of rest, and... Um, you know, you got, uh, he, he was uh, feeling it. He heard a lot about uh, his play from you guys. Um, you know, for as much as they tell you he doesn't, they don't read or don't listen, they, they, they're aware. 
and uh, he just had a good night. He started to go again. Um, I thought that line was tremendous. They were quick. They were tenacious. They were on pucks. Kept a lot of plays alive where uh, even in games uh, two and three, we didn't keep that many alive. Tonight we did a good job of it, and he played a big part in it. Todd, you guys had the lead, but then you gave up three straight goals, down by two, and after the way the last game had gone, I mean, how are you impressed are you with your group just to have maintained composure down by two and battled back into that game after the bruises that were there maybe? Well, two years ago we started and we talked about not folding your hand. And in fact, that started a training camp two years ago. And it's for these moments. Um, you know, our, our group believes. We know how bad we played in, uh, in game four. But we're able to park it. We were able to start again. We wanted to make amends, and um, it didn't look good for us, but we, we kept at it. And um, when we do that, we're a tough out, and we're going to keep doing that. I'd like to think that we have learned a lesson now. Um, we have a little bit of success. We know that we even have to go harder. We have to take it to another level in San Jose on uh, whatever day we play Saturday. You also finally took just one minor penalty. They, I mean, you've harped on it pretty much after every game. What was the difference? I mean, more discipline, just you didn't even look in danger of taking anything stupid. I thought we played with emotion and composure, and when you mix those two together, you have a better chance of staying out of the penalty box. Uh, when your emotional level gets too high, you lose composure, you march on over there, and it just builds and it builds. And uh, Tonight we had emotion in our game, but a lot of composure. That is Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. And yeah, they had to be composed to fight back from a 3-1 deficit and beat the Sharks 4-3 in overtime. Hey, the Oilers lead the series 3-2. They can win it Saturday night in San Jose. We have more of your calls, more post-game reaction coming up. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Ched. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. A clear to Timo Meyer by Tomas Hurdle. He'll gain the line, drop it off. What timer burns and a save made by Talbot. Heavy traffic in front of the Oilers, able to pick it up. Cam Talbot didn't have a lot to do in the third period in overtime, but he made the stops he needed to make. He gets the win. That's Talbot's save of the game for Armor Insurance. Complete a free quote for a $10 Tim card at armorinsurance.ca. The Oilers lead the series three games to two. They win tonight 4-3 in overtime. They were down 3-1. Letestu scored late in the second period. Clefbaum scored at 17-14 of the third, and then DeHarnay wins it from Dreisaitl and Sekera at 18-15 of overtime. We needed one more to turn on the Japanese Village goal light on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, we'll activate that, and you can print up a coupon for a free appy at Japanese Village, three locations in Edmonton, south side, north side, and downtown just a few blocks here away here from Rogers Place. Okay, 780-496-0063. We have Aaron standing by. Aaron, thank you for calling. Hello. Hi, Aaron. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Just obviously very excited about the way it went tonight. Uh, so many good things to comment on. Uh, I just, I'm just i so impressed that after being down 3-1 and the way the game went in game four there that we were able to come back. I mean, that I think that hit by McDavid kind of really turned the momentum around and then it it was just our game after that again but um i mean the shot by clef bomb i think they said it was over 100 miles an hour 
I thought that was pretty incredible. And um, uh, one thing I really liked was, I mean, not only did the Oilers bring it, but the fans were just bringing it all night long. And I thought it was, I saw that one clip there where even even Peter DeBoer got uh, was getting on his nerves there. He even elbowed the glass. I there. just I just was watching that a few minutes ago. Yeah, he there was a fan yelling at him behind the bench, and he and he gave a little elbow to the glass. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought, you know. It's, it, every little bit helps. So if even the fans are getting under the shark skin, it's just every little bit helps there. So uh, what an incredible night. And I'm, I mean, hope the city gets a lot of business downtown and, and let's keep this going. Oh, I think downtown's pretty busy. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you can go on the uh, 630 Chet Facebook page, by the way, for a whole bunch of videos from uh, inside and outside the rink throughout the evening. It's pretty cool to see the fan reaction. Peter DeBoer, coach of the Sharks. Here he is for Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions. You know what? I thought uh, I really liked our third period. I thought we managed it well. We really gave him one chance and ended up in the net. But, you know, I thought we... We started to defend with about 10 minutes left in the third, got in that mindset, and uh, when they tied it up and went to overtime, we couldn't get back on our toes again and reestablish our forecheck. But, I mean, up to that point, you're two minutes away from winning. I thought we played a, did a great job with the lead through the third period. They found a way. you got to give them credit for that. Hey, when, when Jones is playing the way he is in overtime, are you thinking, okay, we can kind of weather the storm here and maybe come back? And, and Yeah, that's what you're hoping for, but, you know, I mean, you're playing with fire when you're playing in your own end the whole time. Like I said, we just couldn't couldn't reestablish any offensive momentum, and, and I think it was because, you know, of our mindset the last 10 minutes of the third. We were, we were defending and, and uh, sitting on the lead and did a great job of that made one mistake and uh, couldn't get it back again. Obviously going back home, you know, how much confidence can you take in, in the result that happened there uh, in game four? Yeah, I mean, I liked our game, you know. I mean, what's you know, you're left with the taste of the overtime, but the 60-minute game, you know, we came out, weathered the storm, uh, found a way to get the lead found a way to play with the lead right until two minutes left so there was a lot of good stuff here on the road in a tough environment and I think we got to remind ourselves of that and and forget the overtime and what that felt like and get ready for the next game do you like Mikel Bacher's game tonight but Bods was good and you know, he did what we asked him to do came out of the stands gave us some spark got us a goal did a good job all right, that's Peter DeBoer, San Jose Sharks coach. The Oilers beat the t- beat his team 4-3 in an extra session tonight. He said he liked the, the team's third period. Yeah, Rob. and I agree. I, I, I do. The the San Jose Sharks did not give the Oilers much in the third period. They, they, wasn't, they weren't sitting back there and just letting Jones save after save after save. They kept everything to the outside. When they got the puck in the offensive zone, they cycled. When they didn't, they backed right off. They, the Oilers got the one opportunity. It was a miscommunication between Pavelski and I can't remember the defenseman that allowed DeRNA to have come in with speed, and it was a shot from the point. They kept, I mean, it, it wasn't like they were getting all kinds of stuff around the net. So there were a lot of good things about it. But as he said, and we were talking about it earlier, once you get into defend mode, it's really hard to get into the opposite. It's really hard to start pushing back the other way, and they never were able to do that. So once they couldn't defend that lead, 
they found themselves in trouble. And I don't care how many overtimes we went, how good Jones was. It was just a matter of time because San Jose had nothing going after the third period. On the advantage trailer rental scoreboard, another game five went to overtime. The Rangers beat the Canadians 3-2 to lead the series 3-2. The Penguins finish off the Blue Jackets in game five with a 5-2 victory. The Predators sweep the Blackhawks, the final in Nashville, 4-1. Steve, Daniel, Fred, JP, and Ian are all getting on the open line. We'll have more reaction from the Oilers' dressing room. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio 630. This report brought to you by PF Custom Countertops. Breakfast in your old kitchen, dinner in your new. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Indecisive at this point, but now dishing back for David DeArnay. He'll swing it to the corner for Drysaddle, back in front to DeArnay, shots it! What a thriller at Rogers Place. What a call by Jack Michaels. David DeHarnay, his first of the playoffs at 18-15 of overtime. The Oilers take game five, 4-3 over the Sharks. Let's go back to the Oilers' room. Here's DeHarnay. David, maybe just take us through the goal and, and how it feels to score a playoff OT win. Uh, it feels amazing, you know. Uh, what an effort tonight for for our group. Uh, we stuck with it, and uh, oh, it's, it's a great feeling. Were you able to, I mean, everything was happening so fast, but you just walk us through the play, and if you had a chance to look, maybe you were going to shoot, you just wanted to... No, of course not. I didn't have any time. Uh, just put it uh, uh, down to, to Drat, and uh, I saw uh, everybody was tired a little bit on the ice, so I just jumped in the hole, and uh, he made a really good pass, and I just tried to, to shoot it as quick as I, I could, and uh, I went in, so pretty happy. Tell us about the game time, yeah, uh, well, same thing. I just I, I got patient there, and uh, you know, uh, he was coming off the bench, and uh, I just saw him coming down. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, just a hockey play. Just the overtime as a whole. I mean, you guys were throwing everything at them. You had every chance yeah. in that overtime. Were you thinking, what was it going to take? Sorry, I repeat that. Just I, what were you guys thinking throughout that whole process with all the chances yeah. you guys are getting? Well, just stick with it. Like I said, uh, you're eventually going to score a goal. Uh, if you're uh, in their zone shooting, uh, they're going to get tired, and uh, that's what we did. But, uh, yeah, we just stuck with it, and uh, that's it. Thanks, David. Read that, David Ahernay. Thanks, Brendan Ulrich, work in the Oilers' room. I was just watching the... The replay of the goal, and uh, the people who've texted in, I mean, it was a great job by Secker to pinch in. He skated along mm-hmm. the blue line, circled back, dropped it off the dry sidle. Andre Secker gets an assist. He does not get a plus. <laughs> he dropped the puck off the dry sidle and uh, went to the bench. And that's what we talked earlier. The Oilers are, are a smarter hockey club now, and there was a great example of you've got the puck in the offensive zone. It's a good time to go change. And both defensemen, so first of all, McDavid changes, DRNA comes out. Both defensemen make their play, and they leave the ice, and two new defensemen. So if they don't score, if the others don't get a goal on that play, they now have rested defensemen out there if there's a turnover going the other way. So a smart play by, by Sakura, who, who walked the line, walked the line back, and eventually was sitting on the bench celebrating with his teammates as DRNA puts one in behind Jones, 
at a point where you wondered if anyone was going to put a puck behind Martin Jones. 4-3, the Oilers win it. You can get us at 780-496-0063. Let's bring Steve on to overtime open line. Hi, Steve. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, goosebumps tonight, man. What a game. That was absolutely fantastic. So um, i got a question for you. Um, I was listening to the feed on Cirrus, uh, and it was a, the San Jose feed, and they were making comments on uh, Thornton and Couture's health. Um, so my question is, uh, do you think that the uh, health and the uh, age of the Sharks versus, uh, you know, they're all talking about they're so experienced and stuff like that, do you think that's going to come into factor for the next uh, game, maybe two? Um, well, I, I think the experience will help them going into the next game. I think that it's, they've got everyone that is in there. And once you get playoff experience, what it means is if you get into a, Part where you're stressed or you get into you face adversity you're able to think back into some other time that you faced it and how you got through it and have the confidence saying oh yeah we've been here before remember when we did this that's what experience is you don't get too high too low you just remember all right we can get through it the health i've watched the the games and i've watched thornton and couture very closely Thornton, for one, I, for him to come back at his age from an injury, and it's tough, the older you get, you don't heal as quickly and play as well as he does. I've seen absolutely no twinges of injury in his game. And Couture, too, he seems to be getting better as well. So I, I believe that you're going to see San Jose's best effort on Saturday night. It's going to be a tough game for the Oilers. I believe it'll be close, just like we had tonight, and the Oilers are going to need a bounce, just as the San Jose Sharks are going to probably, they're going to need a bounce as well. Um, but I and when Reed and I talked after the last game, you and I talked, Reed, is this seven nothing blowout? Is there going to be a lingering effect? And I said at that time, and I still believe it, a blowout is easier to recover from than losing a game like this. Because right now, well, the San Jose Sharks are sitting, you know, whether I don't know if they're on their plane tonight, flying home or not, they're sitting there thinking what could have been. And it's going to sting, and it's going to sting hard. Seven nothing blowout. You're like, Halfway we were off the game. Yeah. we're dealing with. Yeah, it. yeah we're, so we were so. awful. There's nothing we could have done. But right now, San Jose's thinking we should be going home right now. We had a two goal lead. We should be going home to clinch, to move on to the next round with a win on Saturday night. And now they they're going to have to play for their playoff lives. So I think this one stings way worse than the seven nothing loss the Oilers had. You know, Rob and and, and Steve asked too about the age and fatigue. I don't know about the age thing because, I mean, athletes are in such good good shape. I know certainly guys aren't necessarily as as quick maybe as they get older. But you wonder if the body contact maybe is starting to take its toll. I mean, the, the San Jose Sharks, to me, looked worn down in overtime. Now, I'm not I'm not saying they're going to look that way in game six, but but they, they weren't attacking. They forechecked, I think, twice the entire overtime. I was watching the, the goal again during the news break. Thomas... Uh, Tomas Hurdle, who's one of the younger guys, against DeHarnay. Like, DeHarnay blew by him, and Hurdle with a kind of a half-stick check. But on that one, though, DeHarnay just came off the bench, and Hurdle had been out there well, for true. 45 so seconds. True, but so true, but the Oilers, did, you know, they, they, they wore them down a little well, bit. Well, they did, and we talked at the beginning of the series that the, the, the physical contact will become more into play in game six and seven, and that's what you try to do. You try to continue body punch, body punch, body punch, and eventually they will tire. Um, I think that San Jose is going to come out and they'll be flying on, on, on Saturday night. I don't think that will be an issue, but as the game goes on, you that's where the, the team that is the more physical, the team that is, well, I guess, if the younger legs, 
you will have a slight advantage. But I think it's going to be another test for both teams. And I don't, I don't see a reoccurrence of a 7-0 victory for the San Jose Sharks. It'll be a game where last shot probably wins, just like we saw tonight. 4-3, Edmonton takes it. We have Daniel on the phone line. Hey, Daniel, thanks for calling. Hey, guys, how's it going? Doing well. Hey, so um, I just kind of want to get your thoughts um, on how you think once we go to San Jose, what it will be like. Because I, I was actually at the 7 nothing blowout game. Um, I drove down from San Diego because I'm going to school here. Um, and just like the momentum that they got off that first goal and like the way the crowd got into it, like there were so many Oilers fans there, but it felt like we could do nothing to really impact the game at all. So I'm just wondering, like, how do you think the Oilers can combat, like, the momentum that comes with being in the Sharks building? Because I feel like the momentum is just such a big player in that seven nothing. Yeah, well, this is the the Sharks building that the Oilers won Game Three in. So it's not like the Oilers haven't had success there. The Oilers won what the last two regular season games in San Jose as well. So they're they're used to it. Momentum, it's huge until. And everything's going your way until a penalty happens or a bad bounce or someone misses an assignment. Also, the momentum switches and goes the other way. The San Jose Sharks are a team that want to beat you in the first 10 minutes. And the bounce they got off the Pavelski stick in game four that scored 15 seconds in, that gave them the, the reward. And when you get a reward and you're playing well, you, still, you start to feed off of it. So I, I don't think the Oilers are worried at all about going to San Jose and and trying to win a hockey game because, as we talked about experience, they've done it before, and they can just play off of that, saying, all right, guys, we've been in this building. Here's what we did, and here's how we were successful. 4-3, the Oilers take it tonight. We have Fred on the open line. Fred, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, boys, I'm recording or, <laughs> reporting from Jasper Avenue right now, and uh, everybody's pretty happy out here. Uh... When Kopom let that 100-mile-an-hour slap shot go, I almost broke my buddy's nose. I jumped up and smoked him with the shoulder, and I hope his nose is okay. But uh, what an effort tonight, eh? Beautiful effort. And uh, you know what? They're up 3-2. It's better than being down 3-2. So now San Jose us win two. We only got to win one. So remember that, people. I think we're going to go in there. I don't know if we'll wrap it up or not, but the Sharks in the overtime look pretty tired. I think the legs might be catching up to them. You know what? Uh, they got a lot of older players. I don't know what happened in the dressing room between the third period and overtime, but uh, whatever did happen, it would have been a travesty if the Oilers would have lost tonight. Well, they carried the play in overtime, and Fred, thanks for calling from Jasper Ave. Hope it's uh, happy, but... Uh but peaceful and, and orderly for sure. It, it seems like the celebrations are going pretty well uh, around the city. Yeah, I mean the, the cleft bomb shot—that was a blast. I mean, and we and we and that's the one thing that we've really seen in, in cleft bombs game sort of blossom a little bit this year. I think we saw saw signs of it. Now, of course, the pr- previous year it was derailed by injuries mm-hmm. too. But he can really unload the puck, and, and that one, that one there. I mean, you got to place it, too, and that was perfectly placed. It was. I mean, it starts with a great pass because he didn't have to adjust when he was skating, and he, the puck was exactly where he needed to be. He had the benefit of being able to walk into it. There was no one in between him and the net, like up close, who was able to just not worry about uh, someone blocking the puck and it going back the other way, and then he just put everything into it. And it's funny, 
I know I didn't completely watch him after he scored, but he was in the corner when they came to mob him. Yep. So he, that's the momentum that he had going forward to th hit that puck. It's his body, his whole body's momentum took him all the way into the corner when the puck's in the net. Those are ones that defensemen dream of, where there's a puck sitting there, you can skate as fast as you want, have nobody bothering you, and have a shot right towards the net with guys in front, and your whole only goal is hit the net. Just hit the net, and Oscar Clefbaum did, and he sent this city and this arena and this press box into a tizzy. So he tied it. Mark Letestu got a big goal late in the second period to bring the Oilers back within one, back to the Oilers' dressing room, and here's Letestu. Uh, you know, just in the right spot, right time, I found a way to get through a couple sets of legs and uh, put it away. There's a shot of the bench when Oscar scores, just going bananas out there. I mean, what was that like, the moment for you guys as a team when you got that tie goal? Well, it was nice to finally break through. I thought we, we were pushing hard for it. Uh, it seemed like it was going to take all 20 minutes to get it. Uh, and it took a good play, you know, Davey hanging on to the puck and finding Clef coming down. Uh, I think it was relief more than anything because it, it felt like we were pushing for it and we deserved it, uh, but it just hadn't come yet. Can you describe the attitude of the team going onto the ice for overtime because you dominated from the start of Yeah, I think the, the late goal kind of gave us some momentum. Uh, the guys were feeling good about themselves. Uh, it had bled into that overtime. I thought we, you know, controlled most of the play. We were moving pucks up quick. Uh, you know, and the goal happens to be a, you know, an offensive zone change. Uh, where we were taking care of those kind of things all night. Uh, it was nice to see Davey get rewarded. Is that Martin Jones tonight just having a hell of a night? And did you start thinking in overtime that, oh no, like he's making save after save, or you say you guys stick, stick with it? No, we thought eventually it was going to go in. Uh, you know, he's only human. Eventually, the puck's going to find a way to the back of the net. Like I said, I thought we were, we were pressing the, the right way. You know, we weren't taking too many chances. They were just kind of coming for us. And eventually it was going to go in. Uh, it was, you know, credit to the guys for sticking with it and not taking too many chances. How do you guys feel now moving forward here into game six? I mean, you guys battled the entire game. Some guys got going, a big overtime win. They say momentum doesn't carry over from game to game, but uh, how do you think you guys feel now moving forward? Yeah, I mean, it, it's nice to get the win. Uh, you know, we got two opportunities to close them out. Uh, but momentum clearly in this series hasn't carried over. Uh, it seems like we've been going back and forth. So it's going to... It's going to take another good game on their ice to, to seal this thing out. So uh, we have to be ready for it to take it to another level. Read that, Mark Thanks, Brendan. Yes, the Oilers do indeed prove Martin Jones' humanity by scoring finally at 18-15 of overtime. Edmonton absolutely controlling the extra session. The shots were 14-2. David DeHarnay wins it. We have time for more phone calls, of course. We'll get to those when we get back. Oilers take the game 4-3. They lead the series 3-2. This is Canadian Brewhouse. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chance. We'll give it up for Benning. Lead pass right-hand side. DeArnay on his backhand. He'll take it behind. Here inside. Give it up. What timer score? Yeah, there's Clefbaum's goal with 2.46 left in the third period. DeHarnay and Benning with the helpers. Matthew Benning had two assists tonight, by the way. And then DeHarnay won it in overtime at 18.15. 4-3, the Oilers take it. They come back from 3-1 down. They lead the series 3-2. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Good morning. It is 1.24. We have Ian at 780-496-0063. Morning, boys. 
Hi, Ian. How's it going? Doing well. Love the show. Uh, I just got a quick couple comments and then a couple kind of questions for you guys to kind of speak on, I guess. Uh, I thought Leon had a wicked redemption tonight. What do you guys think? His yeah. legs are flying, face-off circles. Good. Yeah, we talked uh, also, about it. Kate, oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah, you were saying best player on the ice, and I agree. Just a comment. Uh, Kate Beerness, uh, she tweeted uh, Desjardins just like everyone predicted. I kind of thought that was witty. Hey, you know what? Hold uh, on. i got to say something here. I'll quickly jump in. Kellen Kennedy yeah. back at the studio tweeted at the start of overtime. He said, if this is a long overtime, I have DeHarnay. So I don't know if you count really? this as a long one because it didn't go double, but it, it was yeah. late in the first. So Kellen, Kellen nailed it. There you go. Uh, one thing I call it, talked uh, about contact with the old guys. Uh, don't you think this kind of has the same effect on the young guys being they haven't played this long of a – like, isn't junior 2025 games less? So, I don't know. Maybe that wears differently on the young guys as well. Um, and two things for you guys to kind of speak on. Uh, Maroon and Cassian, they both kind of individually had good games, but I thought they were really off. Like, both looking for bad passes. Maybe you guys could speak on that a bit. And then, uh, second thing, too, just the way the D jumped up. I thought they were all over. Like, Benning had two assists. Um, there was, a tar there was a couple drives that Larson took the puck, and he doesn't really carry it a lot. And there was one time where we won an offensive uh, out just outside the blue blue line. We won a faceoff, and Nurse jumped right up because no one was open, so he just drove the net. It was a, you know, not something you see usually our D jumping up that much. I thought it was good. So speak on those, and uh, thanks for the call or whatever. Let you guys talk about it. Yeah, sure. Appreciate it. Well, Maroon uh, obviously got the goal. He uh, had another tough penalty. He's had too many of those in the series. That was a, a new line, Maroon with Cassian and Latestu. I, I mean, Cassian had a tough play as well, obviously, when he couldn't quite get that puck out that led to a San Jose goal. I don't know, Rob, but I, I didn't notice – for myself, them seeming really out of sync necessarily? What did you think? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, there were some misplays, but I think if we went through the entire team on either team, we could find a misplay from just about any player. I thought they were all right. And He talked about defensemen. I think the Oilers are built to have their defensemen jump up more in the play. You may see it more uh, in this series now because the San Jose Sharks have done such a good job of taking away time and space, not, allow, not allowing the Fords, you know, Connor McDavid, with speed through the neutral zone. So if that's the case, and, and a lot of times we saw they go, did a 1-4, that means the defenseman's the guy that's going to have to jump up in the play. And the defenseman did a very good job of that, getting up there. Uh, if the Oiler forward delays, the most teams swarm down into the, the high slot to take away the, the crease plays, that allows the defenseman to be the open guy, and that's what we saw in the Oscar Clef bomb goal. So, yeah, the Oilers have got defensemen that are capable of jumping up into the play, but they do it, I believe, in a smart way, not forcing things, but coming and letting the game come to them and then jumping in when they see it's the right time. Well, I, I've really noticed that, too, with this coaching staff as well, and now they're better at it because mm -hmm. they, they have better defensemen and they've been playing this way longer. But when the Oilers are playing well, Rob, attacking-wise... All five players in the offensive zone are moving. Yep. It's not okay, the three forward cycle and the two D just... And, and even on the overtime winner, they're moving around. I mean, there's even sometimes you look, it's like, geez, all five Oilers are below the top of the circle on the attack, but they're all moving 
and and they they force the defense to collapse. So there's still no danger of a two on one or a breakaway or anything like well, that. Well, I, I think that's the way the game is played more so than in the past. It used to be the two defensemen would be glued to the blue line in the offensive zone. But right. there there was a time tonight. I remember one shift where Lucic brought it back across the blue line, and he was the high guy by himself. The two defensemen had jumped in, and what it does is it creates uh, opportunities for a miscommunication for the defenders. If all of a sudden the defender, if you're when I played, if I was the winger and I looked after my defenseman, 99% of the time I would not have to look at him because I knew he was right there at the blue line. Now when they're jumping all over the place, now you've got to have a head on a swivel. You, you, you try not to lose your guy. If they crisscross, you try not to bump into your own guy. And that's what the players are trying to do. They're trying to get either you to miscommunicate or you to lose your coverage and allow someone to get open. So the Oilers are good at it. That's why defensemen nowadays have to be mobile. And I think the Oilers defensemen are much more mobile than they have been in the past. Well, this should be interesting. We have JP on the line. Hi, JP. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you tonight? Doing very well. Perfect. It's getting late. I just want to say to my boss, Francois, I'm not coming in tomorrow morning. Sorry. And I also want to say... I love this guy. I love this guy. <laughs> what a night tonight for the Oilers. I want to get down the brass tacks. You guys have been on fire tonight, by the way. Great points all night. You had a call before Pion, uh, Eon, whatever his name. He's going down to uh, Jasper Ave. I say to all my Twitter friends, I say, I got to go to Jasper Ave. I need to pretend it's SCT, SCTV day. Act like I'm John Candy and just rip and roll down the Jasper. But I'll tell you right now, the oiler, the oiler are learning a lot of lessons, and it's a result of the coaching staff. The coaching staff needs more credit from every fan. These guys are teaching these kids exactly what I need to see on the ice. There are so many points tonight I wanted to build. Because San Jose play in my mind. In my mind, I'm kind of sure. This team play a great game tonight. But the lessons are getting long. The lessons are getting long. I'm so impressed. I'm going to go back to partying. Read, Rob. Rob, I still need the autographs. But au revoir, you too. I love it. Thank you. Thanks a lot, JP. Oilers win 4-3 in overtime over the Sharks. Quick news break, then we're back with Merv on the open line. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line on Oilers Playoff Radio, 6.30, Chad. 4-3, Edmonton wins in overtime. David DeHarnay, who was acquired at the trade deadline, is the OT hero. The Oilers are up 3-2 in the best of seven. Game six, Saturday in San Jose. Daryl texting into 630-630. He says, Rob, as a player, how hard is it to get emotionally up for the next game after so much energy is spent to win this one? Uh, it's much easier for the team that won. Certainly much easier for the team that won. They're energized. They wish they could play again right now. Uh, the team that lost, especially a heartbreaker, one that you feel that you could have won that you let slip away, that's tough. And I think... Uh, the San Jose Sharks, for them, the fortunate thing is they're going home and they'll have their fans get them pumped up. Uh, so I would expect that by the time the game starts Saturday night, both teams will be re-energized. But when you're facing elimination, uh, you do not want to fall behind because that's when the bad thoughts start creeping into your head. So the Oilers, it, it would be imperative and, and key for them to get the first goal in San Jose and send a message. All right, we have Merv on the line. Merv, thanks a lot for calling. 
fine. How are you doing? Good. What's on your mind? Well, first off, I want to congratulate uh, Todd McClellan and his staff because I think they've done a wonderful job in in getting the Oilers to come back and play hockey the way they can. Um, am I losing you? No, keep going, buddy. Okay, well, I, you know what? I really think about um, back in 1983, I think it was. The Oilers lost to New York Islanders in the Stanley Cup Finals. And Wayne Gretzky was interviewed. And one of the things he said was that when we finished that series, we were so hurting, we were so banged up, and we looked across the ice, and they were more banged up than us. And it, it, I guess for me, it tells a story about the, uh, the emotion that's involved and how hard it is to win that fourth game. That series deciding game. Well, for sure, yeah, that's a pretty famous story that Gretzky and Lowe and a lot of those Oilers have heard, uh, have told from from '83, uh, and then the Oilers obviously won it in '84. You mentioned Todd McClellan, and, and Todd actually referenced it in his post game comments today that he said, "When I started in my first training camp, don't fold your hand." Was a big lesson that he wanted a team this team to learn. I, I, I was telling the story the other day. There were the Oilers' first preseason game that Todd coached. They came from behind in the last 10 minutes of the third period to beat Calgary. And Todd actually said, that's a big win for our team. And I remember thinking kind of like, what? But but he was already trying to build that foundation. And you look at tonight, okay, so they get a late power play goal in the second period. It's 3-2 going into the third period. And that's the one thing about the Oilers, Rob. They, they have that mentality where... All right, it doesn't matter when we tie it. As long as we win this period by a goal, well, they would have loved to win it by mm-hmm. two, but as long as they win it by a goal, they go to overtime. It doesn't matter if we score on the first shift or we score with 246 left like, like Clefbaum did. And I, and I, and I, that sounds easy, but, but I do think you see some teams, they think, okay, we tied it late in the second, now we got to come out and tie it late in the third and then they lose energy or they lose hope if they don't get a goal in the first five or six minutes. Well, I think it's they they have a belief and a confidence that they're going to get it done. There's a lot of teams that hope they're going to come back in the third period. The others believe they're going to. And there's a huge difference between that. And I've been on both teams. I've been on teams that it didn't matter what the score was, you felt you were going to win the hockey game. And I've been on teams where, oh, God, you know, we just need a break or we need a bounce. And when you start hoping... Things don't usually turn out your way. So this Oiler team uh, believes, and part of the belief system, and, and it goes right back to those exhibition games, is they've done it before. Once you've done something once, you feel you can do it again. And the Oilers have done it a number of times since, and, and, it's, and it's paid off well for them because I don't think there was any worry coming into this third period being down a goal with everything on the line that they wouldn't come back and tie this game, and they eventually did. It is 1.38. The Oilers can win the series Saturday in San Jose. We'll take a quick timeout. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Playoff Radio 6.30, Chet. 
This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Good morning. It's 1.42 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. We're inside Rogers Place. The Zamboni taking another lap here, making sure the ice is ready. Yeah. Crews working hard here to get the uh, building all spick and span for whenever the next home game is. They're, uh, the Oilers are going to have at least one more home playoff game. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it'll be... Hopefully more. Yeah, hopefully it'll be round two and not have to come back here for round one. But the way the San Jose Sharks responded in game four, you would expect for them to have a response in game six. And if they do, uh, the Oilers have... That extra life. They, the San Jose Sharks, their lifelines are done. They they lose, they are done. The Edmonton Oilers, with a big win tonight, now have two opportunities to close out the San Jose Sharks. The Oilers, in the face-off circle tonight, had an advantage, which they often don't, 59%. Dreisaitl led the way 79%, and uh, David DeHarnay was 70%. They actually took, well, Mark, Mark Letesti was 63%, so pretty good night for uh, the Oilers. In that department, Maroon opened the scoring. Botker and Marlowe scored for San Jose before the end of the first. Schlemko for the Sharks in the second period. Letestu got a late power play goal in the middle frame. Clefbaum tied it at 17-14 to the third. DeHarnay won it at 18-15 of overtime. He had a goal and an assist and was named the game's first star. The Oilers outshot the Sharks 48-30, including 14-2 in overtime and 13-5 in the second period. Those were the most lopsided periods in terms of shots on goal. San Jose 0-for-1 on the power play. The Oilers go 1-for-3, so the Oilers successfully stay out of the penalty box tonight, and I think both you and I thought the penalty they did take, Maroon took, should have should should avoid that. Yeah, it, it was a it was a bad play, and at that point was a very big goal for the San or because the San Jose Sharks scored just after he came out, huge goal. But all in all, the Oilers much more disciplined tonight, and that allowed them to play all four lines, and it allowed them to get the game they want going. When you're killing penalties the entire game, it's hard to get into the type of style of game you want to play. Tonight they were disciplined, and they will need to be that way again in San Jose on Saturday night. So the Oilers will be flying to San Jose during the day tomorrow. Rob, is there a, a th does travel have a big effect at this time of year when it's you know one game and then back to the other city, or you Not, know with the comfort now? And well, I mean it's way better than we used to fly. Right. We used to fly. Um, just normal airplane you get a middle seat between two kids that are crying the whole way and here oh this is going to be a nice trip but uh no it doesn't bother them in the fact that they're playing each other it both neither team is going to have an advantage or a disadvantage what you want though and what nashville and what anaheim have done you want to close your series off quickly that allows you to save wear and tear on the bodies and they do have a little bit of an advantage for whenever their next series start that's why it's important for the Oilers to try and finish business Saturday in San Jose and not have to play another game. The story we started with tonight, and let's end with it this evening because we didn't talk too much about how we played. Drake Kajula got to play with McDavid and Dreisaitl. How do you think he did? I thought he had an excellent game. I, I thought he brought speed. Uh, the, the, when you, Maroon's on that line, he pushes guys back, defenders back, going through the middle just because of his size. 
Kajula does the same thing, except he does it with his speed. I thought he played well. I thought he, he it's tough for a younger player to come in and play with the team stars. And McDavid and Dreisaitl are the two stars. Sometimes their nerves come into play. Sometimes you just push the puck to them all the time. You don't want to make plays yourself. You, you, you feel that they're the ones that should have the puck on their stick. So you get out of doing what you do to be successful. I didn't see that in him tonight at all. I thought uh, he did a, a yeoman's job, and I believe that that will be the exact same lineup and setup that we'll see San, in San Jose on Saturday night. All right, so the Oilers are ahead in the series, three games to two. They win tonight 4-3 in overtime. David DeHarnay gets the game winner. Here's the thing. You can go to 630Ched.com for a whole bunch more coverage. We have videos from inside and outside Rogers Place tonight from some of the celebrations uh, happening here downtown. Post-game interviews are all posted there as well. You can also check out the 630Ched Twitter account and the 630Ched Facebook page too. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our engineer here at Rogers Place. Our studio producer, working late and working hard, is Kellen Kennedy. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Oilers take it 4-3 in overtime. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Indecisive at this point, but now dishing back for David DeArnay. He'll swing it to the corner for Dry Settle. Back in front to DeArnay. Shots and scores!